Hi, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Today, we're talking with Mike McCoy from the great state of North Carolina about his story in muzzleloading, as well as the muzzleloading community in North Carolina. As of recording here, they've just completed their 2022 North Carolina State Muzzleloading Championship. So we're going to get a little bit of a recap from Mike about that match and the competition and, and kind of what went into it and a little bit about you know, muzzleloading competition in general, we're kind of back-to-back muzzleloading competition here, but it is kind of a hot topic. It's something I get a lot of questions about. And Mike is a really passionate ambassador for the sport. Uh, I've been talking to him now for quite a while, and it's really nice to sit down and, and hear a little bit about what drives him to continue to promote muzzleloading in his area and how he's getting active and making sure that muzzleloading continues for another generation. I'm Mike McCoy, and I too love muzzle loading. Hey, <laughs> let's just kind of jump right into it, man. How did you get your start in muzzle loading? Ah, man, I was a kid. Um, let's see, the tender age of thirteen, uh, my folks got my brother and I involved in uh, shooting sports with 4-H. They're so, like, we're not, we're not going to let them just sit around and goof off. Let's see what they can do. So. Um, yeah, started off uh, shooting like twenty two and shotgun and um, stuff like that with 4-H. And I went to, I remember going to shooting camp outside of Natchez, Mississippi, a little place called Woodville. Oh, there's nothing there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and That's the best. I can't remember if, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, not when you're like 13 and right. you know, just trying to figure your way out in the world. Anyway, um I was supposed to be there shooting 22 rifle. I think it was an NRA camp. I was supposed to be there shooting 22 rifle, and I just absolutely hated three position 22 rifle. And it was just tough, and the bugs were out, and it was hot, and it sucked. So I, I just kind of bailed and uh, <laughs> <laughs> found myself at the shotgun range and was excelling there. And then the guy at the shotgun range was like, hey, why don't you, why don't you go check out that over there? And of course it's loud and the smoke and it's awesome. And, um, I just kind of found myself on the muzzleloader line shooting way more of these lead balls than I did 22 rounds. I kind of got in trouble a little bit. Oh, you should be down on the 22 line. I'm like, I'm having way more fun up here. <laughs> and, I love that. uh, that's kind of how it all began. Yeah. Uh, that Christmas, um, my folks got me and my brother, a, uh, I got a muzzle loader and he got a like Remington, what is like a youth model 870 pump. And I got a Thompson Center Black Diamond. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, still got it, still in great condition. Oh, stainless good. steel barrel that works. I put one of those Williams peep sights on it like two years ago and it's a tag driver at 100. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I shot that and um, placed and medaled first second place got invited to the uh mossy oak mississippi state invitational uh dang but yeah 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 was sharp sharp shooting little kid you know um but they changed the game on me at that shoot yeah it was a two-day event and they were like oh you can't you can only shoot round ball and of course me man i was shooting those those sabos out of it oh okay <laughs> but it's but i'm ready to rock and roll with this so that was the first time i ever met a six bull target Ah, how did it feel? Was, it was one of the biggest letdowns of my life. <laughs> <laughs> As a like a sixteen year old, you know. But yeah. 
but still, yeah, yeah, that was that was awful. But then we moved ranges and we shot the uh, bottles target and we shot the what the little Hafner critters target. Uh-huh. You know, the crow and the uh, it's like the a squirrel, squirrel and, yeah, groundhog uh-huh. or something. Yeah, like an otter. Isn't there yeah. an otter in there too? Might, yeah. yeah. So shot that and you know did did terribly because i never shot that before well um to be fair that's a tough target even if you have shot it i mean the, the design of that is a little tricky or maybe i'm just compensating for my poor skills well you know i, I take <laughs> i take crack shots like well now you know but i mean even then i was taking crack shots at squirrels with a 22 from about you know 50 feet away but you know trying to do it with something a half inch around from 50 feet away it's got a little more pup and recoil <laughs> you know it's uh it was tough it was tough as yeah a child and, you know one of those events that kind of made me rethink my my whole stance on youth shooting sports but alas i pre- prevailed and yeah here we, here we are <laughs> <laughs> many many years later but uh yeah still hate that six bull target at 50 yards so that thing that's a tough that thing's one awful yeah yeah well look i had a good day the other day i shot my first uh 50 yard six bull target and scored all five shots Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, for me, for me, that's like riding a bike. That's how I got started was those six bull targets on the bench line, shooting a, a, a big 54 caliber bench gun. So like once I started fooling around, you know, and got into like the bottle target and silhouettes, I was kind of like, whoa, this is weird. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. that's neat, though. I, I love hearing about how people get started and hearing that you got involved, you know, kind of through the 4-H shooting sports, I think is really great. I was um, just reading today about the national championships for 4-H shooting sports happened earlier this summer. And I'm just really happy to hear that that's continuing to go. You know, I think there's a little bit, a lot of things kind of ebb and flow. And I think like the Boy Scouts are a big part of it. Uh, although there are some groups that are still really active um, kind of with the Boy Scouts and shooting sports. I'm glad to hear that 4-H is continuing to kind of hold on to their shooting sports aspect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, let's see, I was working the uh, Dixie Deer Classic. Uh, it's held the first weekend of March there in Raleigh. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was uh, were a couple of young ladies who stopped by and were like, hey, look, we just got back from the 4-H national event and one of the North Carolina teams won it. And I was like, which one? They were like, oh, 22. Look, 22 shotgun. What do you want? What do you want them to win? And uh, they were both uh, muzzleloaders and black powder enthusiasts as well. And oh, uh, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and, I mean, these, these like 18, 19-year-old kids, you know, hey, shooting, enjoying muzzleloading and I think I tried to convince them to come down and they were like, well, you know, that's another, that's another rimfire match. And we're going to that one. Cause you know, cause it's rimfire. And, right. It's yeah, fast. Yeah. yeah. Kids these days yeah. and they're repeating arms. I tell you, geez, <laughs> breech loading. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what muzzleloading is like in, in North Carolina. I'll admit I haven't made my way um, that far south and east on uh, on any muzzleloading mission trips. So I'm, I'd love to hear what you're, what's going on down there and how you're involved in it. Oh, man. Well, um, obviously, we, we have the state association, the North Carolina Muzzleloading Rifle Association. Uh, and uh, we currently held um, just our state shoot is 
pretty much the only thing we got going on right now, but we're looking to change that. I'm looking to change that anyway. But I mean, we have some of the legends of black powder. I mean, Jim Chambers is over in the West side of the state mm-hmm. right up the road from him is rice barrels. You know, we've got, um, Jerry Fisher lives down here. Uh, horn and fiber. What's his name? Uh, oh, Clinton. Myers. Clinton, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Clinton and his wife uh, live in Waxhaw, North Carolina. So some really, really, really talented folks. Uh, world-class builders, is it Blevins? Bivens? I think it's Blevins. He's a rifle builder. Blevins, yeah. I mean, he's uh, just, uh, I mean, they're, they're all just over there in the mountains or in the Piedmont and cranking out some just world-class works. I mean, we've... Got plenty of craftsmen around, and I'm not saying that you know no other places in the United States don't have that. I am saying that North Carolina, though, is a special place for that. <laughs> I mean, we've we've got four different schools of long rifle building, uh, if not more. I mean, during uh, during the late 18th century, I mean, there were. I'll have to look at a map real quick. Give me just a second. North Carolina schools of long rifles, 1765 to 1865. Yeah. So poke through that and you'll see, I mean, there were, it it, it all came, you know, it all came down Pennsylvania, but you know, then you start getting into the Southern mountain rifles. And of course, you know, that's pioneered, you know, Kentucky gets the, gets, gets, gets all the credit for that. But there was a lot of nifty stuff that happened between the coast of North Carolina and the mountains mm-hmm. um, in the West. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Several, several just county schools of long rifle building. Um, I think there's what Guilford, there's a Guilford County. Uh, there's the County that Charlotte's in. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't, I can't tell you the, all the, uh, all the ones off the top of my head, but. No, that's okay. Yeah. What about um, like the the muzzleloading clubs in North Carolina? Is that pretty active? You know, where there's some ranges and things, or is it pretty light? There were a pile of ranges, but in the last ten years, you know, as the way of most muzzleloading shootings, it's just gone down. I mean, in the last mm. three years, we've lost two of the clubs um, due to either the original landowner, um, you know, dying and uh, you know, the family just can't really deal with, uh, with the muzzleloading club being there or, um, uh, you know, just yeah, sense, sense, of, sense of times, you know, yeah. uh, I think the biggest kicker there is if you want to have a muzzleloading club, you need to own the land for the club. Um, if not, then anything happens, especially when you, you know, lease the land. That's, I think that's the biggest problem we've been seeing here. But uh, we do have three very active clubs. We've got uh, Cross Street Rifle and Pistol Club uh, outside of uh, Hope Mills, North Carolina. So just a little outside of Fayetteville. Um, we have the Lafayette Long Rifles, which I'm a member of. And we're, uh, let's see, about 45 minutes south of uh Raleigh, maybe a little farther south of Raleigh, uh, a mile south of the Aversboro Battlefield Museum. So Aversboro Battlefield is a big Civil War site, mm. uh, and we're we're literally a mile south of that. Um, and then there's French Broad Rifles outside of uh, Asheville. And, uh, I haven't made it out to the French Broad Club yet, but uh, apparently they have one of the biggest and best uh, woods walks around. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, one of our uh, old members... Uh, my club, who's now a member over there, is like you know, it's it's real romantic. You should uh, 
you know, you can take your wife up there and have a picnic or something like that. But... <laughs> <laughs> a little muzzleloading date. I like that. Right, right. Hiking up half of a mountain. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's, it'll be great. Baby, come on. Just bring yeah. your Kindle. It'll be fine. <laughs> So, so how did you go from, you know, shooting your Thompson Center and the 4-H shooting sports to to where you're at now, kind of being really active, at least online, with the Lafayette Long Rifles and, and the State Association? What what kind of happened in between there, and, and, and what do you like to shoot now, and, and how did that change over time? Oh, man. All right. So um, I guess in 2014, uh, I picked up one of those Crockett rifles from Traditions. Oh, yeah. Because I wanted a squirrel. I wanted to make the switch. I didn't want to hunt squirrel with anything but a muzzleloading rifle. And, hey, you know, it was, it's a, that's a great little gun and will eat anything, I'm telling you. Um, so I got one of those, and then I was like, well, you know, it's moving around, digging holes, finding stuff, and just um, didn't really have the time except for when I went home on the weekends. So... Uh, wound up moving from where I was working to, uh, Georgia. And, um, before I moved there, I picked up a Lyman Great Plains rifle at his pawn shop and it was like 200 bucks. And I oh said, my I'm, gosh. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. So I wound up trading the guy two forty three. I wouldn't shoot. And so, uh, I picked it up and had a little place to shoot over in Georgia and just really, really got like kind of back into the swing of things, uh, as far as, you know, putting, putting uh, lead on target and seeing just how far I could stretch it out, you know. And uh, I started shooting more, putting my first black powder order as an adult. <laughs> that's a milestone. Uh, that's what I said, you know. I had to make sure somebody was there to sign for it when it got dropped <laughs> off at the house in the explosives package. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister-in-law was like, why, why, why is that? why does that box have explosives on the side and what's it doing in my house? It's <laughs> like, Oh, just black powder. Come, let's burn some. Uh, uh, so from there, uh, you know, um, as archeologists do, they eventually find a permanent job um, with a firm somewhere. And that place just happened to be uh, 20 minutes outside of Raleigh. Okay. Uh, so I took my, black powder purchase and my Lyman Great Plains rifle and wound up there. And uh, then I got on the muzzleloading forum because, you know, hey, they've got a lot of really, really good information on there and uh, linked up with old Buck Buchanan. And uh, he said, hey, look, we're having a cold toes event. It's a, a three-day event held at Lafayette Long Rifles at the end of January. Why don't you come down and shoot with us? And I said, all right. So I took my Lyman Great Plains rifle down there with its peep sight on the back and the diopter sight on the front. And uh, the first thing a dude said to me when I got there was, you know, that's not legal to shoot in this competition, right? And I was like, oh, man, I have to change the game again. <laughs> in flashbacks the again. then. Right, right. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So I wound up changing that at some point, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, folks at Lafayette were really, you know, pumped to have somebody new there. And it took a whole year before I went back. Cause you know, life and job work stuff gets in the way. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it was that fall I went there and, I, um, one of their members, uh, he's an NSSA shooter. Uh, Tom said, uh, you know, why don't you just get an application, go ahead and become, you know, put in for your membership. 
And I said, all right, you know, the membership application says, hey, you know, this is what we want you to do. Read the bylaws. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to have an 18th century persona. We'd like you to. Mm-hmm. And we also want you to uh, get a flintlock, uh, you know, be proficient in muzzle loading and flintlock rifle shooting. So that all uh, came to pass. And here I am. Uh, you know, it took a year and I was like three flintlocks and a tricorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it did not take long for me to uh, kind of go whole hog into that. You know, you were hooked. Involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, getting involved that way and like putting in the work at the club, cause we're, a we're a participation based club. So like, mm-hmm. if you don't really show up to work parties and you don't show up to shoots, then we start asking questions like, Hey, where have you been? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wanted to be, you signed a paper saying you wanted to be a member of this club. Um, it takes a lot but... of work to keep those, those clubs going. It does. It does. And you know, the typical sort of 80, 20 rule gets, um, uh, it's a place same. It's the same thing mm-hmm. all across the board, you know. Uh, but got involved doing that, and um, you know, went to the North Carolina Territorial. It's held in April. You know, got uh, got to go to the state shoot in the fall, and uh, I shot at that one. Um, shot at that one twice now, and uh, you know, the things just kind of snowball, and you find yourself, you know, doing more online stuff for the. Uh, for the clubs and you get asked to take on a little more responsibility. And luckily I'm not, uh, too busy to, uh, you know, take on some of that responsibility. So in a sense, I feel like it's kind of giving back, yeah. uh, for all the fun and the entertainment that I've gotten. Now I can put in a little work and, you know, sort of pay that forward and make sure what we're doing doesn't die. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've met, um, met a few folks who were like, Hey, look, I saw the, I saw the Facebook page or, Hey, I saw your Instagram or I saw the, uh, Lafayette long rifles page. Look, I didn't know anything like that was going on. How do I become part of it? And, and that's really cool to see that's kind of, kind of come to fruition. Yeah, man. Um, and I haven't been doing it that long. So, I mean, so that's, yeah, that's kind of what you're, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what you're waiting for when you're, it feels like you're kind of writing into the void sometimes. And every now and then somebody kind of writes back and says, Hey, I want to get involved in this. And that, that you can't beat that feeling, you know, especially when they show up then at some point when they've, when they've heard about you and about the event, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I took out a, a ad in the, in the muzzle blast. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, it, it's I saw in there. It. Yeah. Um, the so big vertical ad, ad there. Yeah. Whole third of a page. Heck man. Yeah. Um, but it was, I guess it was about three or four weeks ago and I started getting emails from these, you know, and, and phone calls from these dudes and they're like, Hey, I heard about this. What's the juice? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's working. It's, it's doing something. Yes. Right. You're kind of sitting hey, at um, your laptop, like doc Brown, you know, <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, I've got, you know, I, I have means of communicating and uh, yeah. So I started getting phone calls and messages from all people on the forum uh, messages on Facebook and um, yeah, like, like calls to my phone, like through my, you know, through the, from the number on, uh, on the muzzle blast ad. Yeah. I was like, wow, well, this is just phenomenal. And, you know, of course I get to re- report that to like the officers of the state association and they're like, well, well, Mr. McCoy, that's, uh, 
good job you know pat on the back hell yeah man i'm for it <laughs> <laughs> let's do it so so i've got to ask i mean you've kind of gone from the from your thompson center to your traditions and your lineman and, and your other flintlocks now getting involved with these with the lafayette long rifles there recently though you've been posting quite a few muzzle loading competition pistols can you tell me a little bit about that and how that kind of got into your in your sphere of interest well it was the uh state shoot uh last year and uh I was shooting in between Todd Wenzel and John Bauer. Do you, are you familiar with those names? I know that I know the names. I, I don't think I could place a face to them though. Well, well, if you go into any pistol aggregate from the national event, you're going to see John right up at the top of it. So not only do we have legendary like gun builders and stuff, we also have yeah. legendary shooters in North Carolina. He's he's number one or he's number two. I love and that for like the last little while and uh todd wenzel's like winning gold medals on the uh uh on the international team so, oh man that's yeah. rad that's awesome yeah super cool and you know they they just make you better shooters when you're shooting up there Heck yeah. uh, alongside them you might you might accidentally surprise yourself uh, <laughs> uh but um I, I turned around uh one day and uh john just had this uh flintlock pistol out but the lock was backwards and it looked like a 1911 uh, and yep. it had the set trigger and the cool stuff. And I was just blown away. I didn't even know they made those things. And he's shooting like a 97 with it. <laughs> <laughs> and this because he's dancing around the X ring. Right. Like, yep. what are you talking about? <laughs> Come on, dude. So I saw that and was like, man, I'll get me one of those one day. And, um, yeah. So I guess, um, and I'm sure your buddy Buck didn't help you at all with this. No, man, I'm out $950 from that sucker. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. So he had a, I don't know if it's one of your dads or one of your granddads, but he had a, a, one of the uh, Yezu pistols in uh, 45 caliber. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was my first, uh, first match pistol. And uh, then Buck was like, Oh, you know, if you like that one, you, I have this other one <laughs> and he took it to the Dixie beer classic. And I was like, Oh man, I might have to, I'm, I might have to, let's, let's talk about it. Let me shoot it a little bit. And yeah. you know, it wound up being the case of get the gun and talk to your wife about it. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, it's a match, it's a match gun. So, uh, and I wanted one just cause you know, when I was, um, when I was a musician, I'm still a musician, but when I was a real musician, getting paid to be a musician, um, having some of the best equipment was real important, you know, because it, it, it wouldn't go bad. It wouldn't fail. You wouldn't have to worry about something going awry in the middle of a show. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I kind of took that same approach with these match guns. Um, I mean, they're great shooters. Yeah, real good shooters. Now I can't get my flint that uh, so, so that flint pistol is a lightning pistol. I think it's made by Cimarron Arms or yeah. Cimarron Gunworks out of Oklahoma. I don't think they're in business anymore. But um, no, I don't think they are. And I people get confused too, and I, I do as well because there's the the Cimarron that's making like lever guns now. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they do a the great job. Yeah, the single action stuff. Yeah, but they're not the same company that made those match guns, which I'm. I'm really sad about. 
Right. Well, uh, yeah, and I, I sent him an email. I didn't realize uh, realize um, that that's what was going on until they were like, we have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> well, do I have an interesting market opportunity for you? <laughs> <laughs> right. You want to get into the fancy schmancy world of competition, muzzleloading flintlock pistols? <laughs> So, huh. Well, that's cool. But, uh, I, I love hearing about that because it it's just neat. You know, I, I'm when people kind of find their way to, to muzzleloading competition pistols, that's kind of like a weird niche of a niche. And uh, there's so much that kind of goes into it. And uh, I actually was able to catch up with Buck some at the CLA show this year and, and chat some kind of about the, uh, you know, the, the 80s and 90s where uh, muzzleloading flintlock pistol shooting was really big. I mean, it was hard to find a, a space on a firing line for a match uh, just about anywhere, it seemed like, from, from the stories that I've heard. And um, seeing you get into it has really revitalized it, even for me, of like, oh, man, I've got to get these out and start having some fun with this stuff because it's it's really fun to share it because, like you said, not a lot of people have seen them, and it it's a really neat thing to share. Well, and, you know, uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I busted one of those out. Um, it's number of months, I guess it was in May. And uh, I went up to take my NRA basic course and uh, yeah, I took it up there and opened it up. And old Dave Miller was like, what is this abomination? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, and there, yeah. there are two reactions to that pistol. You know, it's like that shouldn't exist or wow how does it work? Right. The lock's backwards. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've taken a calling it an, an abomination, but that's interesting. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize uh, that that was a, a big thing uh, back in the eighties uh, and nineties, I guess what you said. Oh, you got to talk to Buck about it. I'm going to try to get him on the show uh, to talk about it a little bit more, but uh, he's got some fun stories about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said uh, he won the, um, he won the national uh, pistol competition one year with uh, I can't remember what he shot the in the in the percussion pistol. It was high score. It was like a ninety six, like five X's. Yeah, it's like that's, that's that's pretty good shooting, Buck. Yeah, there for a while you had to be in the upper nineties. If you look back in like the in the score books, you had to be above ninety five to really be in the run for anything, which is kind of crazy to think about. Right, that's. Good shooting. Because for those of you folks at home maybe that haven't been exposed to it, the, those pistol aggregates are set up with 25 and 50 yard targets. So you might be able to shoot, you know, a, a, a mid to low 90s at 25, but shooting in the 90s, let alone the upper 90s at 50 yards, I mean, that is something else <laughs> with iron sights and a flintlock pistol. Right, right. And I can barely get... 10 of them suckers to hit on the paper from 25 <laughs> you know with that pistol i know it'll cut a ragged hole i just yeah. i know it will but it's it's all me you know you know i think uh it's all me a lot of it's like just what's in between your ears i mean there there are days where i can go out and um you know i can get them i can get them all you know nine eight ring and there are days where i'm i'm hitting the five ring you know if, if my head's not in it i'm just not it's not going to happen, which is, it's weird to say, but you know, sometimes that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, Buck will tell you like, and, and all of the other good pistol shooters will tell you it is, it is all mental. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> it's, it's shutting everything out. It's making sure your elbow and wrist are in the game. It's making sure your head and the rest of your body are in the game and it's just chilling out, focusing on the site and cracking the shot off. Yeah kind of letting your body do it for you, you know, is how I kind of grew up thinking about it. 
And that is like in the last three months how I've had to start thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Flintlock or muzzleloading pistol boot camp for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough yeah just chill out man you let the gun do the work yeah. no <laughs> no i'm driving this train i can't do that it drives you uh but yeah yeah no, it's, it's it's a lot of fun though and you know it's 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 cool to be surrounded by so many just folks who are involved in it in uh I don't know, pick away. I mean, Buck's been a representative for the world since like 1985. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a couple of the other shooters I'm with um, have been shooting in SSA since like the early 90s. Yeah. It, you know, international team shooters. You got, I, we, we got a lot going on down yeah. here in North Carolina. Ethan, you need to come down and we'll just go on a North Carolina tour. I'm working on it, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to schedule a trip down there. I got to see the Chambers shop. They they keep I got to get down there and see that operation, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I haven't seen it, but you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a field trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll tag along. <laughs> so when you're around all of these, you know, kind of you know, experienced competition shooters. Uh, what is that like for you? Is that intimidating or, you know, are they generally, you know, really helpful and, and friendly about going through all of this? Because competition can be kind of scary. You know, it, it can be kind of serious depending on what level you're at, but you've got to start somewhere, you know? Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you show up on the line, you got your stuff loaded, you're ready to go and you crack it off and it's a six. <laughs> it's humbling nobody nobody I, i've never been i've never been in the situation where like oh that was pretty terrible mccoy why don't you uh <laughs> put it down forever right uh, it's never really been in that situation there's Good. always there's always somebody like hey man try this you know uh i see you're doing this why don't you do this and you know eventually you collect those once a day nuggets and uh, start really applying them in your pistol shooting or rifle shooting repertoire. And uh, yeah, they kind of add up, you know, there's a, there's a cumulative effect to it. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. There's a learning process for sure about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. This podcast is brought to you by Thor bullets. Thor bullets are a premium full bore muzzleloader bullet designed specifically for modern inline rifles. Thor bullets do not require plastic sabos or belts to be fired, meaning less cleaning for you between shots. The patented copper base creates an airtight seal, giving you greater distance and accuracy. Thor's unique engineering allows the bullets to retain 95% of their weight upon impact, and the controlled expansion ensures large, easy-to-follow blood trails. Thor bullets are currently available in a 50 caliber version that is sized to your specific bore. Thor is also expanding into a new 45 caliber bullet designed for faster 1 in 24 and 1 in 22 twist inline rifles. For more information on these great bullets, visit www.thorbullets.com. We'd like to thank Thor Bullets for their sponsorship of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Muzzleloader Magazine, the publication for traditional black powder shooters. Since 1974, Muzzleloader has been the leading magazine devoted to traditional black powder hunting and shooting. Each issue is jam-packed with articles on hunting, shooting, gunsmithing, do-it-yourself projects, living history, American history, 
book and product reviews, and much, much more. Muzzleloader Magazine is the best traditional muzzleloading magazine, bar none. I'd like to thank Jason at Muzzleloader Magazine for his continued support of I Love Muzzleloading and the I Love Muzzleloading podcast. I don't care what you're into. If you're interested in muzzleloading, this is the kind of magazine I think you need to check out. I've been a fan of Muzzleloader Magazine even before the sponsorship. Uh, I've always been impressed with what Jason has been able to put out with Muzzleloader Magazine, and it really means a lot for him uh, to be supporting I Love Muzzleloading and our efforts over here. Thank you, Muzzleloader Magazine, for your support. Well, you want to hear about the state shoot? Yes, please. <laughs> I want to hear about it so bad, man. Uh, well, we had uh, 43 uh, registered shooters. They showed up from, uh, let's see, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, I don't know if we had anybody from Virginia uh, or Maryland. Um, some folks from Tennessee showed up. Uh, so, you know, it, it, decent, decent crowd. And I mean, it was it was the best crowd we've had in like the last four years. Because oh, uh, for a couple of those years, yeah, for a couple of those years we were down. There was a hurricane and there was a pandemic, and you know it was. There were rumors saying this might be the last one if it doesn't do well. But hey, you know, boomtown, we we pulled it off, and uh, you know, folks showed up on Thursday to start setting up camp, and uh, shooting began around nine o'clock on uh, Friday. And, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful day on Friday, uh, low humidity. So your 4F didn't turn into mud in your pan instantly. So, um, I imagine that's a problem down where you're at. It's a huge problem. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, when you hear people saying, oh yeah, I prime with 3F, look, there's a reason for that. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. And we found that to be the case, uh, on Saturday and Sunday, cause man, it, rained on and off Saturday, most of the day and Sunday morning, it was, it was a torrential downpour. I almost gave up on my percussion rifle aggregate because I could not get that planes rifle to go off for 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. Of, yes. Of the first aggregate. Uh, so I was yanking nipples out and turning the clean out screw and just trying to get it to work. I'm pouring powder here and I'm beating on it there. <sighs> finally started working and like got my fifth shot off uh, with like two minutes to spare it was nasty man that's <laughs> a rough way to get started yeah 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 um wasn't excited about it but right. uh you know uh yeah all the campers had a good time i think we had uh seven folks camped out there eight folks camped out there old rifle um builder john muzan was out there uh a couple of gunsmiths and uh, several shooters from the French Broad Club were out there. Uh, let's see. Saturday evening, uh, Dave Miller convinced me a couple of months ago, hey, who knows about the NSSA down there? I was like, well, we we have a couple of NSSA shooters around. Yeah. He said, well, how, why don't we have a skirmish demonstration? And I said, Dave, I'll see what I can do. So after a little finagling, and pulling the strings, uh, it really wasn't that hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we had five shooters show up. Well, 
four shooters and me uh, and uh, have a successful uh, clay bird uh, pigeon board uh, 50 yard demonstration oh, and nice. you know, had five minutes, you know, to shoot as many clay birds off a pigeon board as you could. And uh, I think I got nine shots off through a three band infield. That wasn't mine <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, at 50 yard target. And that was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool, and you know that just generate more interest uh, for the uh, black uh, black powder and muzzleloading shooting community. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I thought that was cool. I I was kind of hoping our boy uh, Eddie would show up, but he got busy. Oh yeah, uh, he got oh, busy. That's Eddie for you. That's, that's <laughs> all right. I'll, we'll get him next year. If yeah, you're listening, Eddie. Rumor is he's he's picking up a flintlock, so he's he's finally coming around to the you know to the cultured side of muzzleloading. We might say, ah, uh, you know, it's cultured if you can shoot it. <laughs> I was <laughs> still a terrible shot with mine, and I've been shooting. Yeah, yeah, I got a got one of them fancy schmancy Kibler Colonials. I guess about a year and a half ago, and I am still an awful shot with that. It takes time. <laughs> it does. My it really uh, does. my mountain rifle, I'm I'm still pretty rough at. I'm, when I when I'm goofing, I, I'm I'm also goofing at myself here because there's a lot of work needs done. <laughs> I know, I know. It's part of that roller coaster ride, you know. You yeah. go on it, you go anyway. But um, but yeah, so um. Yeah, uh, 43 shooters, it rained a lot, it was hot and muggy Sunday evening, but um, yeah, it was a, a real successful shoot. Uh, only problem was, <laughs> was anytime I'd ask somebody on the line, like, hey, how you shooting today? They're like, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> so it was across the board, there was, <laughs> there, was, there was something in the water, we'll say. Absolutely, something in the rain, something in the humidity, but... Um, yeah, everybody I talked to was like, oh man, it was going really good, but that fifth shot was just off the paper. You know, there uh -huh. was one guy I was talking to. He's like, man, I had something happen for the first time ever in my life. So what's that? He's like, none of my shots scored. Wow. I said, oh no. <laughs> I said, brother, that's not good. <laughs> but you know, even with all that crappy shooting. Uh, there were a couple of uh, pretty close uh, aggregate results, like where the medal was determined by a point or two. Wow. Uh, so, you know, that led to a bunch of well-intended uh, but well-aimed trash talk, uh -huh. uh, which, you know, it's fun. It, it, it's, it's cool, but... You got to uh, have a little bit, I think, at, at that level of competition, you know. Yeah. You in, know. in good fun. In good fun. Absolutely, absolutely, and we got a lot of got a lot of that. <laughs> old jokes being brought up from last year. I got the nickname Stitch last year for an uh, due to an unfortunate tomahawk accident. But, oh no! Um, yeah, so they remembered me simply because of that. I was like, oh man, come on! <laughs> I don't need this following me around. So maybe that'll die. But you know, Stitch does it again. It's great. <laughs> Nice. But, uh, but yeah, we, um, you know, for that state shoot, we've got a pile of aggregates. I don't know if you saw the, uh, the aggregate list, but I think we've got some 24 aggregates, everything from like bench rest to black powder cartridge to juniors and seniors matches, smooth bore, skeet, flint percussion, pistol and rifle, you name it, boy, we got it. Man. I love that. Um, I, th I think part of what, 
you know, can help grow a muzzleloading event like the state shoot that you're talking about is having a variety there. And it takes a lot more volunteer help to, to manage all of that and a lot more organization. But, you know, that sounds like you could shoot all weekend and still not shoot in every aggregate, which I love to hear. I only shot in five aggregates and, um, yeah, I mean, I shot a hundred rounds out of the pistol and 30 out of the rifle, you know, by the time, I mean, how many relays is that? Yeah. You know, that's, it's a pile of them yeah. so I was worn out by the time lunchtime rolled around on Sunday. I was, you know, I could have shot, uh, I could have shot another aggregate, but I was, I said, I'm no man, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done shooting. I'm going to go up here, <laughs> pack up camp and then sit down for an hour or two, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, it's a really good time. Um, but, uh, as far as that is, uh, concerned, you want to hear who, uh, want to hear who won it? Yeah. Won, g- won the things? Yeah. Give me a rundown. And if you, if you have the, the scores there with it, I'd love to hear some of the winning scores just to have an idea. Well, let me, uh, let me get up here and uh, pull it up. They're all online at cross Creek rifle, So Give me just a second. I'll get that up. By the way, big thanks to the uh, fine folks at Cross, to Buck and the fine folks at uh, Cross Creek Rifle and Pistol Club. They're the ones that hosted it this year. Mm. And uh, they did a phenomenal job of uh, making sure everything was safe uh, and sound. They did a great job of scoring. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it, no, everything went off without a hitch. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I couldn't couldn't thank them enough because uh, we we wouldn't have had it this year if it wouldn't have been for them. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's see. So, top score in a flintlock rifle. I'm not going to give any names, just you know, in case these are embarrassing scores for anybody. Oh, oh ouch! But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I don't know, you know. So let's see. First place with a 116. So that was a. Uh, he scored uh, 40 on the 25, 36 on the 50, and 40 on the 100-yard flint target. And so what is the max score for each target then? Uh, it would be uh, – so it's five shots okay. on target, so 50 points. So okay. 116 out of 150. And, okay. I mean, 40 points at 100 yards with a flint rifle. That's I impressive. Mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, let's see, there's a 121 for the top score in uh, percussion rifle, um, 44 at 25, 40 at uh, 50, and 37 at 100. And let's see, 110. Okay, yeah, yeah. So there's we have the North North Carolina uh, Resident Championship. So if you're if you're from North Carolina, you can compete. Oh, cool. Uh, and we had. Six competitors uh, in that, and uh, yeah, the fella won it with 110. I think everybody was shooting flint guns, so uh, yeah, really good, uh, pretty good shooting there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, let's see, top score in the unlimited bench match was uh, 136. Uh, Top score in Flint Smoothbore with a uh, was a hundred and five, <laughs> you know. So with I, a Flint, with a Flint Smoothbore, smooth wow. Flint, yes, smooth Flint, smooth <laughs> Smoothbore, you know. And I mean, this is it's, it's not Flint Smooth Rifle, no. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I, the smooth bore is on my agenda. Right. It's on the list. Yeah. Of stuff to get into, but I need to start shooting better pistol first. Uh, <laughs> I like your priorities. So, yeah. 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 It, it'll get there. Uh, let's see. Rifle musket. Um, so that's, uh, I think that's a 30. No, might be a 30 shot aggregate. I'm not exactly sure. I don't have the aggregate list in front of me, Oh, that's okay. Um, but they shot a 186. So that's two targets at a hundred yards and one target 50 yards. Yeah. So I think, uh, there's a 64, a 56 and a 66 out of a hundred yards. So Oof. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, uh, yeah. That was, that was a hard fought aggregate. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we get into the percussion pistol and you know, we're not going to talk about those scores. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, yeah. Top score was a 258 with four X's, um, 94, 92 and a 72. Uh, yeah. 94 with three X's and that's the 25, 25 and a 50 yard target. Mm-hmm. So that second 25 yard target for those of you at home is a timed fire target. So, Ooh. uh, yeah, you know, so you shoot your first shot and your timer starts five minutes. So you've got five minutes to shoot the rest of your four shots, right? Man, that's tough on pistol. And then you do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you, once you get done with that, you get to shoot at 50 yards just to, you know, <laughs> just to boost your morale after, after the time trials. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, and then there was an as issued revolver aggregate. The same person won all the pistol aggregates. Uh, that, that was Todd. He showed up. Congrats, Todd. <laughs> Congratulations, Todd. I was, uh, <laughs> after the award ceremony, I was jangling around because, you know, I, you bought one a couple of medals, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to strut your so stuff. I'm, so I was sounding like Fido walking around. And he stopped me. And he goes, oh, I didn't realize they came in different colors. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Ouch. Come on, Todd. <laughs> Get out of here. No, he's a good guy and a damn fine shot. So Yeah, Todd's out yeah, there tearing holes in paper and in you, it sounds like. Sheesh. Uh, yes. And it was the whole weekend. The whole weekend <laughs> because I set my stuff down on the twenty five yard line and started unloading. He was like, Yeah. You sure you want to do that today? I'm like, God, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> That's a classic one, though. You sure you want to do that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So he shot a 348 in the open revolver aggregate. And uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, so that's four targets. So that's um, that's your slow fire target. That's your rapid fire your time fire target which is 10 rounds out of a revolver in 10 minutes um yeah yep shoot it reload it go from there and uh the state rules you can load six in your first cylinder and then reload four but with the nmlra rules you can uh you know you got to do it with five so and then uh yeah yeah and then you shoot the 50 yard target. Oh, well, you shoot the international target too. Do you know about the international target? You familiar with that one? No, I don't think I am. Oh, man. Uh, everyone loves and hates the international target because you get to shoot at it 13 times. Ah. 
the uh, inner bull is the same as the 25 yard. It might be a little bit bigger than your 25 yard uh, target. But the outer bowl, instead of scoring five, or the outer ring, instead of scoring five, scores one. Oh, so great. You, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what would normally be an eight is a seven or a six. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough target. And that 10 ring is tiny, and that X ring is even tinier. Right, so, I yeah. mean, you're looking, I think I think it might be a quarter-sized X ring Oof. on the thing, if that if that and yeah it's 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 a beast of a target so just because you hit in the black doesn't mean it's good <laughs> you know uh, you can feel Todd good about it. it yeah of course todd put 86 up and two x's so, uh, you know, yeah classic yeah, todd whatever classic todd he's gonna hear this and come and like hunt me down and <laughs> shoot me in the back accurately at 50 yards <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna put a smiley face in your back or something oh man something like that <laughs> if you can reload fast enough haha <laughs> can we get me todd but um but yeah no that that open revolver was a hard-fought battle so me and my uh my shooting buddy tom uh also shooting mentor we had a side bet going like who's gonna shoot the best during this weekend uh during the state shoot we chose the pistoleros so ah. we shot the open revolver the flint pistol and the uh, percussion pistol and he got out his muzon flint and i got out my lightning flint and i don't remember i think he's i think he shoots a yazel percussion pistol in 32 or 36 anyway some yep. fine some high class pistols up there um but we, you know, bet a six pack. Who's, who's <laughs> going to win the six pack? He won the six pack, but he didn't win the revolver. He didn't. He didn't beat me in the open revolver. Ah, so, you know, that, that felt that felt real good. But it was only by three points. So like, hey, know. those points count. They do. They do. <laughs> it was. It's funny to see that. You know, we shot the same at on the international target and the fifty yard target. But like, what we didn't shoot, <laughs> what I shot on the first twenty five, he didn't shoot. Uh -huh. was, yeah. Anyway, he couldn't catch up. A, yeah, he couldn't do it. The three points. So anyway, here's to you, Tom. He won it. So anyway, top Flint score was 238 out of uh, 300. Top Kentucky pistol score was 243 out of 300. Um, we have a ladies championship, and you can shoot either Flint or percussion uh, guns there. Uh, I think that top score It's like an 83 something. Anyway, um, that was a really, really tight aggregate. I mean, the 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 top three positions were determined by five points. Oh wow, that's tight. Um, yeah, yeah, real tight. And matter of fact, the lady who took third um, showed up. She's one of the uh, um, she's one of the ladies I was talking about earlier that showed up at the Dixie Deer Classic. But uh, she showed up with her uncle, uh, who's a member of my club, and. Uh, her name is Sarah, and she's young. She might have been the youngest competitor there, um, but was like, "Hey, you know, I shot." I said, "You know, have you ever shot black powder before?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I've I've shot it before. I shot competition in 4H." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I did too." <laughs> and uh, she wound up taking third, uh, like not showing up, not expecting to compete. You know? Oh, that's Grew great. But uh, yeah, somebody, uh, one of my, one of my club members. Um, let her shoot her 45 uh tc i don't know i think it's a hawking uh yeah let her shoot that gun and uh boom place place third in the uh place third in the aggregate so that's wonderful yeah yeah 
one of those one of those cases of you know it's it is a competition do you find the warmth there oh yeah oh yeah you find it we were not going to let this lady leave there without shooting in an aggregate <laughs> uh, so anyway a lot of fun so and we have the the hunting aggregate and the top score was an 88 and um was that the one i think you shoot a crow and you shoot a fox and uh there's something else you shoot a, a, a running fox and then like a standing chuck anyway there's that one um yeah the buffalo match where you shoot two targets at 50 yards and one at 100 uh, one of them at 50 yards is offhand the other is cross sticks and then the other one you just have to deal with it at 100 um, our seniors uh, won the top score with 117. I think he was shooting a flint rifle on that one. Uh, some real good shots out here. Let's see, we have the Robert H. Hunt Memorial shoot. Uh, he's a, I couldn't tell you who he was, but that score was a 110. Uh, let's see, the NC State Club Championship, which is fun. Um, that's, uh, you know... If you want to bet on which team in the state is the best, uh, then bet on French Broad because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did uh, they did exceedingly well and schooled us by twenty points in that. So they get this they get to take this big uh, cutout of North Carolina that says NC State Club Champions, and you know they get a tiny one with a little plaque with the date on it. And they get to oh, put that up cool. forever, and we pass the trophy around, but. Yeah, yeah. Part of that was uh, part of that was on me because I totally blew that fifty-yard six-bull with a flint rifle. So <laughs> that one, that one's fun because you get to shoot. Um, let's see, there there are four different things you have to shoot. So uh, the first target is uh, a Kentucky pistol at twenty-five yards. The second target is that damn old six-bull with a flint gun at fifty yards. <laughs> Uh, and then I think there's a, you got to shoot a smooth bore at a Buffalo or is it a regular target? I don't remember. I think it's a smooth bore to Buffalo at 75 yards, either 50 or 75 yards. And then you shoot, can shoot a percussion gun at a hundred yards. Pick your best four. And give it I a go. Not, yeah. I could not be counted <laughs> among them. And unfortunately I was. So, you know, but we also have a, you know, <laughs> it's fun. It's, it, it leads to some, uh, pretty raw feelings for the next year, but right. Right. But that's, you know, that's kind of part of it. That's what keeps you coming back to, to try to get better and, and do more. Right. Yeah. Ab, yep. yep. It's, it's, it does. So. You just kind of, you're always, you're always hunting that high, you know, <laughs> of, of yeah. getting them all in that black. <laughs> yeah, even getting them all in the white, man. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take what I can get out there. But, uh, but yeah, no, um, I know this next year I will be practicing way more at 50 yards. Yeah. Uh, cause that, that seems to be the target. That's, that's, that's the one that throws the most folks. I mean, based on what I'm looking at and seeing, uh, yeah, yep. That's, that's the one. Uh, so we also have a tomahawk and a knife throw at the old state event. There we go. And, uh, yeah, your boy took home the gold medal in the tomahawk throw with a whopping score of four. Wow. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a good you... score for stitches over here, I think. Man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's too soon, Ethan. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> but uh but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you see some of these other national scores and they're throwing up like what 
16 and 17 points. You yeah, know, it can be real it, serious. You know, splitting the card and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tricky, it's tricky, it's tricky. And I'm not, I'm not great. I think this is the first time I've thrown tomahawk since literally when I got my stitches. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and then uh, yeah. Well, what did the knife throw? And I didn't win that at all. Uh, <laughs> another fellow stuck it for five. And uh, yeah, that yeah, was fun. That's awesome. Uh, and then our black powder cartridge, uh, I won it with a 258 and three X rings. And I think there's a 50 yard target, but the other three are all at 100 yards. Okay. So he won a pound of black powder. Hey, that's a good prize these days. Yeah, unobtainium even some, <laughs> sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, so that's like the score wrap up for, uh, for your North Carolina, uh, shoot, you know, had a pile of, uh, in addition to those food folks shooting well and, or not so well, you know, uh, yeah, we had a pile of vendors come out. Of course, you know, Buck's always there with a pile of his rifle and a coup mm-hmm. and, uh, a guy by the name of Bruce Hamlin from Florida, uh, showed up with some really fine flintlock match rifles, Ooh. Uh, and by fine I mean fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I picked up one, and man, I was like, "Geez, if only I had the discretionary income to get one of these right. in my pocket." But he he built a takedown flintlock gun, and uh, you know they're not spump barrels; they're all straight barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in forty or forty-five. I don't think it was in forty. Uh, and yeah, a barrel just, it just hung out there perfectly and didn't move. Like I couldn't move the barrel, like regardless of how I tried. <sighs> and, uh, and he's got his locks all tuned and polished and puts in a lot of work making these really nice match guns. So if you see old Bruce Hamlin around, um, check out his stuff. He's from Florida and, um, I don't know. I don't know if he goes up to the national matches. I think he does. He might go to the spring one. And of course he didn't, he didn't go to this one cause he was less, but right. yeah. See old Bruce around, check him out. He's got some uh, quality stuff. Yeah. I'll have to keep that anyway. in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there was a uh, Michael Einger. E H I N G. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he showed up with some show and tell. Oh, by the way, we have him in North Carolina. Keep rubbing it in. Yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, dude, I'm saying, come on down, you know, <laughs> But, um, yeah, he brought some show and tell, uh, some show and tell pieces. And one of them, uh, I guess he took it to the CLA show. Did you see that double barrel flintlock he made? Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a picture of it. I, I, I shared on, on Instagram just a little bit ago. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Well that I, I got to look at and I just, I just touched the gun with one finger. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to breathe on it wrong. This is the <laughs> first time I'd ever seen like a $40,000 gun in my life. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't have the time or the credit score to <laughs> begin thinking about one of those dream guns. You yeah. Know? But, so. To to buy a car uh, worth more than a, <laughs> any car I could afford in the next 10 years. Right. You know, right. So, uh, no, yeah, but he, he, he does. showed up beautiful flint double shotguns are kind of one of his things. Um, and I was, as I was kind of doing some research on him after the CLA show, I mean, he has had pieces go through the big auction houses here that have just gone for, uh, some, some, some very fair amounts. We'll say <laughs> beautiful. Work. Yeah. And they're all scratch built. Yeah. Scratch. I mean, one piece of metal, <laughs> that's your lot. You, you just get them. That's it. Build his barrels, does that stuff. He had a he had a hammer shotgun there too, 
and oh. it was just amazing. And it was it was in a case, uh, man, gorgeous backlocks on it that he engraved himself. Man, I I've I've never seen two more beautiful guns in in person. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a while before before I come across something like that again i'm sure of it um but yeah so he was there uh robert brisson who was a judge at kempton did you meet him i don't think i did ah he's he's a cool dude but yeah he did uh i think he judges like horns and uh bags mm. uh but he was there with a collection of his horns and bags uh he makes some really nice scrimshaw grade uh horns in, in a pile of different styles okay. uh, from like different eras so he had um He's got a couple of those just like raw pine plug buffalo horns, just some, uh -huh. some gnarly looking stuff. But he also has this really nice, like applied tip, uh, sort of Rev War style horn uh, with a turned antler tip. Oh, nice. Just gorgeous, gorgeous pieces, like just hanging out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you, you know, Jerry Fisher showed up too for a little bit. Um, I think he is Jerry Fisher, Carolina artisan. On the, on the Instagram, I have to I have to let me double check that real quick. We'll get it right. Let's see, Jerry Fisher, Carolina artisan, and he, his uh, blacksmith, and a bag maker, and yeah, if you got your stop pulled up, just Google Jerry underscore Fisher underscore Carolina underscore artisan, and uh, he showed up with some really really fine pieces that he uh, made and. Yeah, he's the guy who made the bag that had um I don't know if you saw it on the interwebs, uh, but it was a it was a Jaeger bag and it had like five sets of deer dew claws on the back of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I yeah, think I did. Yeah. He, he was there just with a fistful of knives, and that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> there are a couple other vendors there too. A guy named Gary from uh Athens, Georgia showed up. And, um, and a guy named Peter Salvano from Moravian Springs here in North Carolina. And they both had a pile of accoutrements and uh, guns and stuff just kind of laid out for sale. You know, it wasn't really a market fair, but, uh, you know, right. it was it's nice shooters to have shooters yeah. who, who had their stuff and wares just hey, yeah, hanging out. If you need it, here it is. But yeah, I think I might have convinced uh, a buddy of mine into getting uh, one of Peter's bench rifles. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, had two barrels, you know, so you could compete in the unlimited and the light bench. Ah, clever. Yeah, yeah, that was another one of the cases of get the gun and call the wife. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So now, why don't you get it for your retirement gun? You're going to need one. Ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, but those are the vendors that were there. You know, I always like that because at a, as a, at a muzzling competition, you can you can go and shoot, and then you can kind of unwind a little bit and see what folks are making. Because regardless of if you've seen that person, and you know, at an event uh, two weeks ago, usually they're going to have something else there that you haven't seen before to kind of just you know brighten things up a little bit for you to kind of see what else is out there. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. And that's, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't been to too many events. Honestly, this is the most like black powder vendors I've seen in one spot, uh, at, at any given point, you know, cause again, I'm, I really am just now getting into the competition, uh, shooting, but mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've jumped in with both feet <laughs> real, real hard, Good. real hard. I love to um, hear that. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was it that kind of pulled you back into it? Just getting involved with the club or, or was there something else? I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed shooting when I was a kid. Mm. I mean, uh, let's see. I think I got signed up to be a 4-H muzzleloading instructor. I was like a senior in high school and they were like, hey, do you want to be a muzzleloading instructor? course in my county i was like the only one shooting muzzle loaders so, right <laughs> and it was my last year to shoot it but I, you know i went and um you know that was the first time i'd heard about the nmlra i can't remember the guy who was there i think he's i think he's gone now um but he's like you know you may if you're interested join the national muzzle loading rifle association and come see come hang out with us in friendship and i was like what is what are you talking about <laughs> He was like, oh, it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, sometimes we'll have night shoots. And I'm like, night shoots? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, we'll set a candle up at 50 yards, try to shoot out the flame. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is phenomenal. This this is a thing that happened. So that's just sort of stuck in my in the back of my mind um, yeah. ever uh, ever since I heard about it, you know. And it's like, you know, that's something, that's something I want to do. And uh, now that I have adult grown up money <laughs> right? and, uh, time to, you know, time to do it. Yeah. You can kind Let's of get it. back into it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. After, um, <clears throat> going to the Dixie deer classic, but was, uh, you know, he said, uh, Mike, you know, why don't you, uh, I'm gonna get you this application and, uh, why don't you, uh, sign up to become a field rep? you're enthusiastic enough about it. And I'm like, Buck, <laughs> let me go home and talk to my wife. Come on. So, uh, she was very encouraging and said, look, if you're going to do this, I mean, I think you're, I think you're qualified. So oh, yeah. I applied for that. And, uh, you got a phone call from Lonnie not too long after that saying, Hey man, you're in. Awesome. So, um, I, I don't know if I'm the youngest field rep, but, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm certainly one of the newest yeah. uh, for North Carolina. So. That's great. And yeah, yeah. Lonnie's a great guy. He's some, doing some great stuff with that program, getting getting muzzleloading out and, and getting the word out. I'm full support of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, one of the things he and I talked about, he's like, look, Mike, one of the things I want to see are the field reps uh, becoming uh, NRA instructors. Oh, okay. And I said, well, it's funny you should mention that, Lonnie, because uh, <laughs> my boy Dave Miller in uh, North Carolina has uh, got a club down here where to be a member of the charter club, you have to be an instructor. And, you know, so I signed up to be an instructor, too, and uh, went through that course. And I know you and him have had a conversation about that. But mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. he's doing down there is really neat. Uh, just kind of an abridged version for the listeners is he's, he's getting, uh, he's got with his charter club, he's, he's training instructors and then bringing in boy scout groups and, and scout groups and things to come and shoot muzzleloaders through the weekend and learn about marksmanship, you know, in a safe and controlled environment, but get them exposed to firearms, specifically muzzleloaders where they otherwise might not have been, you know, until they became adults and might've got interested in it on their own might have gotten into it if they weren't shooting those plastic toys for city boys already you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, because I, you know in uh years ago um and i was talking with an old scout earlier 
uh, or this past weekend, they said years ago there was a muzzle-loading merit badge, but now you shoot the rifle badge. Yeah. Um, and and that's it. You can shoot muzzleloader for your rifle merit badge, but there's no muzzleloader merit badge anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're also not allowed to shoot flintlocks, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Yeah. That's something. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not trying to. <laughs> no. No. I just don't want to get. I don't want to get activated here. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. But uh, but yeah. So. Uh, signed, signed up with him to become an NRA instructor and a fellow by the name of Mark Belli came down and taught our instructor course. And he's phenomenal. Um, yeah, he's, uh, been a camp counselor and instructor for years and was like up in the top in cahoots with folks, uh, with the NRA. He was one of the guys, uh, who got the Boy Scouts pistol club or a uh, pistol merit badge, like official oh, okay so he came down and taught our instructor course we all had a blast of course and so you know the whole hog yeah there uh and of course the most recent development is i'm now the secretary of the state association so toot toot here we go <laughs> that's great man I, I really appreciate you i mean not only getting involved in the competition side of it but getting and becoming so active in your local clubs and, and bringing more people in i mean just your instagram alone i mean I, every time that you post something there's there's more people interested in something and and the fact that you're taking that kind of online reach that you're, you're, you're building and, and working on, you're taking that enthusiasm then into your local clubs and supporting them is, is just wonderful because those clubs have been around forever, you know, as far as like contemporary muzzleloading goes. And yeah. uh, like you talked about earlier, they're the kind of ebb and flow. And it's always nice to hear about uh, some new blood getting in there that's passionate about it to help those clubs continue. Right. And, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of blood out there mm-hmm. uh, who are just as enthusiastic. I've talked with a couple of folks, um, one uh, in particular in South Carolina. He's like, man, look, I don't I don't I don't care what I have to do. Like, sign me up for this instructor course stuff because I want to get involved. Yeah. in you know, making sure these kids in the Boy Scouts know what they're doing. And I was like, well, more importantly, you know, like we're just trying to promote muzzleloader. And he was like, that's what I'm trying to do. So, uh, so, that's there are so folks, great. there are folks who are, who are really excited. I know, um, hopefully in the next, uh, next little bit, we'll be hosting a, a basic course in and around. And when I get, when that comes through, I'll, uh, I'll get you some dates and details. Oh, um, please do. Uh, but we'll be hosting a basic course in order to get people in that instructor pipeline to then draw more folks in. But, okay. you know, you don't you don't have to be in your late twenties or mid thirties to become passionate about muzzleloading. I mean, you could be sixty or seventy, yeah, you know, and and a new shooter to the black powder sport, and and still get involved. I mean, granted, you know, a lot of lot, I think a lot of folks focus on uh, new shooters, like you know, kids and stuff, yeah, which is great um, and fine, but. Um, I think we neglect the older shooters who, you know, they'll, they'll show up to a match or whatever and, um, you know, kind of hang around the wings and stuff. And, you know, you, you start a conversation with them and yeah. talk to them and they're like, Oh, you know, well, this is, this is something I, 
I could be interested in, but I, you know, I've got all these other hobbies and stuff. And, <laughs> well, look, come on back, you know, next month and we'll put a flintlock in your hands and, you know, we'll put a big honking pistol target out at 25 yards yep. for you to shoot at and hit. And, you know, you'll put all uh, those other hobbies in the closet and underneath your bed, pack them away and then invest in muzzleloaders. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. That Daniel defense thing you keep talking about running and gunning with. Ha ha. No. No. sell that by nice yes. muzzle loaders right get you get you a good kit man this thing snapped together like a lego set <laughs> oh, man. but yeah yeah i think i think it is important moving forward in the muzzle loading uh that we we don't forget about those folks you know who who may or may not be a little bit older who, yeah who have just seen or heard about it but you know they're they're holdovers from the from the seventies and eighties where like great uncle Bubba James, uh, you know, he shot that black powder gun and it stank and it blew up one time. Yeah. You know, I ain't shooting that thing. It'll blow up. So, yeah, I I don't know if that's been your experience, but any, anytime I, I go back sometimes to Mississippi, they're like, how you, you actually shoot that? I'm like, yes. Yeah, I do. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of mystery and there's a lot of intrigue around them. I think I mean Jeremiah Johnson was really good because it it got a lot of people interested in muzzleloading and and with it the Thompson Center Hawkins. But I think it's a, a a symptom of that era, you know, where there just wasn't a lot of information. There you had to you had to really go seek it out and you had to be really purposeful about finding that information. And for something like muzzleloading in a world of, you know, having that rebirth in a world of centerfire cartridges, uh, that could be really difficult. And I think we're still kind of working our way through that. But I think now uh, in a combination of the, the Internet and the clubs and these events that are still going on, we can kind of start to demystify that a little bit, make it uh, it's becoming more welcoming, I think, for people to get I, to I get agree. away from great uncle Bubba jeans as you. <laughs> <laughs> great uncle Bubba jeans, exploding revolver, yeah. <laughs> chain fired and uh, scared not the cows in, and. Not interested. Not no. interested in that. I'm not either. <laughs> we can agree there. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, you know I don't know it's 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 a quality over quantity thing, you yeah. know, and, yep. uh, one fellow, uh, let's see, this was at a cross Creek match. I guess it was, it was, it was a couple of months ago. Um, but he was, he was kind of hanging out, you know, kind of in the back. And, um, I think he wound up, uh, competing. He was like, how are you going to run and gun with that thing? I was like, Oh man, well, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> We sit back here, we load on the bench, and we walk up there and we fire, and then we do it again. It's very and, relaxed. Uh, yeah. Well, I think he competed this this uh, <laughs> in the state shoot. So you know, you hang around long enough, and you know, you you crack off a couple of shots, and then you crack off a hunting load just to see what it's all about, and yeah. you know, and then you just start cheesing, and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Well, man, not to cut us short, but where can people where can people find you and and what you're doing, as well as the the club that you're involved with and the state association that you're involved with, in case they want to follow what you guys are doing, or get involved, get boots on the ground, and show up to a shoot. Right. Well, uh, the North Carolina State Muzzleloading Rifle Association. We have a Facebook page, and you can look up North Carolina State 
muzzle loading, all one word, uh, rifle association uh, versus muzzle space loading. Anyway, that was an ordeal. Uh, so North Carolina State Muzzle Loading Rifle Association uh, has a Facebook. Uh, we also have an uh, email, and you can uh, get a hold of us at nc.st.muzzleloaders at gmail.com. Um, yeah, you should be able to get a hold of it, us that way. Uh, I'm uh, running the Facebook page, so uh, shoot me a shoot me a message on there. Um, and shoot us an email. Uh, you can get a hold of me directly at blackpowdermccoy at gmail.com. Uh, or, um, yeah, yeah. Or check out my Instagram at rickymac76. <laughs> uh, yeah, check out rickymac76. And uh, you'll see and the I'll banana shirt in his profile picture. That's how you'll know. <laughs> well, look, I was at. Um, <laughs> at this uh yeah i think i was at the territorial and some fella showed up and he was like you're rm right and i said yes how'd you know he's like you sure i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's working it's working uh so there's that um and if you want to check out uh my club uh lafayette long rifles uh is the name of my club we're just outside of dunn mississippi uh, mississippi dunn north carolina um, we moved there from Fuquay Varina at the beginning of the year, uh, cause, you uh, the landowner wanted to sell. And, uh, so we've had to start from scratch, but we're back in operation and, uh, yeah, we're back, uh, having our monthly shoots. Um, let me see. And you can get us at, uh, lafayette.longrifles at gmail.com. You can find us there or, uh, yeah, look us up on Facebook, Lafayette Long Rifles. Um, from rabble such as this rise a people who defy kings. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I so, love that. And I'll have links in the in the show notes for this episode um, to all of what Mike just mentioned there so that we have. Uh, so you can just click on it. You don't have to search for it. But um, in, in case you're listening and you have a great memory, uh, you can pull up that stuff. But we'll make it easy for you, too, in the show notes and the description for this episode. Cool, cool. Before I get off of here, uh, yeah, man. I got a couple of a uh, couple of acknowledgments. I want to thank. Uh, Please do. Uh, if we if we do that, do we do that on here? Heck yeah, Can man. On the internet, I love cool. acknowledging people. All right. Well, first of all, I'd like to shout out a big thanks to uh, Buck Buchanan and all the folks at Cross Creek Rifle and Pistol Club for hosting the state shoot. Y'all did a great job. Let's do it again. Uh, I also want to thank uh, folks from my club, Lafayette Long, Long Rifles, for uh, running the concession stand uh, there at the state shoot. We sold hot dogs, drinks, and concessions uh, all weekend. Uh, so thank y'all for coming and volunteering. I was either busy shooting or uh, getting saturated from all the rain. So thank, thanks y'all. <laughs> Ringing out your and, shirt. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and a shout out to my boy, Darren at muzzleloaders.com. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but we had a, uh, a raffle, uh, where we raffled off a smooth bore and, um, and then we pulled a name for a bag of goodies, uh, that, uh, muzzleloaders.com sent. They sent us a, a little, one of their duffel bags and it had like a cleaning rod and patches and all, uh, all the, uh, stuff you need for 50 caliber, uh, care and maintenance. Yeah. That's so, awesome. 
Thanks, Darren. Yeah, y'all didn't have to do that, but you did, and we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, big thanks to all the vendors and everyone who came out to uh, enjoy our sport and the camaraderie that surrounds this. Uh, seems like everybody had a good time, and we'll do it again next year. That's wonderful. Do you have a date set for next year yet? Uh, it'll be in September. Okay. Um, I know that. Hey, that counts. <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, as far as that's concerned, we should have a date uh, set in stone here in the next um, probably next three or four months. So just keep your ears on and uh, keep your eyes out and uh, yeah, link up with us on the Facebook or the email or uh, or any any electronic means. And uh, yeah, make it happen. Look I look forward to hearing from <laughs> all you new folks out there in radio land. <laughs> I'd like to thank Mr. McCoy once again for coming onto the show and sharing his passion about muzzleloading. We talked a little bit after the show just about the different ways that you can promote muzzleloading. And it's really one of the reasons I wanted to have him on here today to to talk about how he is promoting muzzleloading in his area. Like we talked about these clubs and and muzzleloading clubs, they can sadly kind of be a dying breed out there as land changes hands through kind of a generally great through a kind of generational shift that we're going through. Uh, But these muzzleloading clubs have really been the backbone of this sport since the beginning of the cartridge era, really, the muzzleloading clubs all over the country held on to muzzleloading and, and kind of brought muzzleloading back to life after everybody, by and large, had converted into smokeless and cartridge rifles. And um, seeing his passion here, seeing Mike's passion about his local club and his state association, it, it really... I feel really positive about the future of muzzleloading, especially in North Carolina here. Um, I hope that you can kind of get some ideas uh, from what Mike is talking about in this episode and and maybe bring some of that to your local club or your state even and and getting something going to bring some people together. I think as much as we enjoy and I enjoy I enjoy making the videos and the podcasts and things, I really want to encourage you to get out there and find some folks out there, find some other muzzleloading enthusiasts in your area. Start doing this in person. Start burning some powder. Start using your gear and start enjoying it. You're going to connect with people in your community, which I think is important um, really almost now more than ever, uh, just as we kind of go through some cultural shifts here. Uh, I think it's really important to get out and, and find kind of your tribe, so to speak, um, of people out there that are interested in what you're interested in. And muzzleloading is a great gateway to find some incredible friends, as Mike has been talking about here. So thank you, Mike. Thank you for sharing your passion. Please follow uh, Ricky Mac or RM Mac 76 on Instagram. You're going to get uh, just about a weekly dose of muzzleloading enthusiasm, which I think is, is really great to hear. And you're going to get exposed to a little bit of what muzzleloading is like uh, in the North Carolina region. Uh, really can't, can't say that enough, how much I support what, what Mike is doing here. And I hope to see it uh, continue across the country. Been people have been doing this for years, for their entire lives, you know, and, and Mike is just another step, another link in that chain to keep all this going. Uh, but he's doing a great job and really hope you enjoy this episode. It was a lot of fun to record and, and as usual kind of gets me inspired to, to get back out there and, 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 you know, keep, keep all this going. It's a lot of fun to do this, uh, but it is a lot of work. But uh, talking with folks like Mike really makes it uh, really makes it worth it, and uh, can't thank him enough. 
I've got a couple events coming up this fall and I'm going to try to be at. The first is the Five Medals at the Trace event. This is in northern Indiana. It's really not too far uh, from where I call home here, but it's a nice, small, you know, fairly personal living history event where you can go and, and learn and shop. Uh, looking to spend the first Saturday there hanging out uh, with everybody and, and catching up a little bit. Also, the Fort Volonia Days, uh, they're having their annual Over the Log or Chunk Shooting Match. Looking forward to being there uh, for that shoot to kind of film and, and chat with some chunk gun enthusiasts. Really fun niche area of muzzleloading competition. We'll talk about a little bit more uh, later this year. But if you're interested in competitive muzzleloading or doing something a little bit different with your muzzleloader, I encourage you to check out some of the over the log shooting. As always, we'll have links to everything discussed in this episode at ilovemuzzleloading.com with the blog post that goes along with this episode. I'm also going to have a lot of pictures there from the North Carolina State Championship, as well as some examples of the pistols that Mike was talking about in this episode. Once again, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com.